Good morning, everybody. It is Monday morning, September 28th, 2017. It is Mike Lyon coming to you live with the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. As always, we do it in the car on the way to work. We talk about everything Boston sports related uh, to get you started on your day. Hope you had a great weekend wherever you are. It was a hot one here in Philadelphia, and I'll get to them a little bit more about that in a second. But we got a lot to talk about. And it's a good thing that it's a Monday. My commute's a little longer because there's a little bit more traffic. So hopefully we can get it all in before I get to work here. Uh, But there's a ton to talk about between the Patriots and the Red Sox. Uh, We're obviously going to recap the Patriots game. That's where we'll start now. Uh, But I want to get into a lot of Red Sox talk because it was a very successful weekend. Uh, Another three-game sweep for the Red Sox, and they're in really good position now to lock up the ALE. So I want to spend a good deal of time talking about the Sox at the end of the show. But for now, let's get into the Patriots game. And no doubt, if you didn't see it yesterday, no doubt by now you have heard that the New England Patriots escaped yesterday uh, with a 36-33 win over the Houston Texans, a game in which they were favored by 14 points. The line actually rose either a half point or a full point, depending on where you were over the weekend. Uh, they don't cover the spread, but in the, the, the in the realm of wins and losses, that obviously doesn't matter. The Patriots get a miraculous last-second touchdown drive, again at the hands of Tom Brady. If you've said it 6,999 times before, say it again for the 7,000th time that, thank God, Tom Brady is the New England Patriots quarterback because I'm not sure how many other quarterbacks could have engineered that drive at the end of the game like he did yesterday. The Patriots were out of sorts completely on offense in the second half. They had a pretty good, you know, pretty successful first half uh, on offense, all things considered, and, and went into the locker room with a 21-20 lead. They did score a touchdown early in the third quarter uh, to make it 28-20, and then watched as the Texans reeled off 13 unanswered points uh, to give themselves a 33-28 to lead. Brady gets the ball with less than two minutes left and goes 92 yards for the game-winning touchdown pass to Brandon Cooks, which was just a thing of beauty. Uh, it's a little questionable whether, you know, the, the, the end of the game, whether, whether the end of the catch, whether Cooks actually brought it in. If you watch the replay, uh, it, it does juggle a little bit on the ground, but the referees looked at it. They've got to look at all scoring plays and ultimately upheld the touchdown call. So the Patriots get a touchdown there, they get a two-point conversion, and then finally they get an interception uh, on the last meaningful play of the game by Deron Harmon to lock down a three-point win over the surprising Houston Texans. And if you want to talk about the good in the game, I mean, I've I've been telling you not to worry about the Patriots' offense. Uh, I know they sputtered in the first game against Kansas City, in, especially in the second half, they, they, they didn't look like themselves, especially when Amendola went down and a couple other guys got dinged up. They, they didn't look like themselves, but as long as they had number 12, they were going to be fine. He was more than fine yesterday. Five touchdown passes in the game, uh, more than 300 yards again on his home field. Uh, unsurprisingly, uh, just dissected for most of the game, the Texans' defense. Uh it was nice to have Danny Amendola back in the lineup if you're a Patriots fan. He missed last week's game with a concussion. He gets back in the lineup, into the lineup uh, yesterday. Uh, he didn't have a ton of catches, I think only four or five, but the last one was enormous. A 27-yard catch on third and 18 during that final drive uh, of the game for the Patriots. 
And his presence in the lineup gives Brady a veteran hand. It, it gives Brady somebody that he trusts fully, or you know, more more fully than than, than anybody really on the roster except for Rob Gronkowski. Uh, so having him back in the lineup was was big and it was necessary. Speaking of Gronk, another huge game yesterday. Touchdown pass number seventy. Uh, again, you know, somebody that you've got to account for and in in. And, and on every snap, if you're the Texans' defense, and, and they, they they couldn't stop him no matter what they did. Big game for Gronk. Big game for Brandon Cooks. Possibly his coming out party in a Patriots uniform. The winning touchdown catch was his second of the day. A few long catches. I think something like five catches for 125 yards and two scores for Cooks. So a big day for him and the rest of the offense. Uh, the running game, a little sputtery. The, the, this that it wasn't really the game plan, and you know once they got behind, certainly in the fourth quarter they were throwing it more. Uh, although they had a couple third and ones in the fourth quarter and failed on both. The, the short yardage situations uh, is a real problem for the Patriots' offense. It's been non-exit. I mean, to say bad would be an understatement. I think they've gone more or less over, except for a quarterback sneak. I think that Brady Brady might have had. Uh, missed on two fourth and ones against Kansas City. Missed again on two third and ones late in the game yesterday, which adds to the drama of Brady taking him down the field. Uh, so the running game didn't really have it yesterday. The offensive line as a whole generally struggled, which makes Brady's performance all the more terrific. He was knocked down a bunch yesterday. Uh, Nate Solder not exactly playing great in a contract year. I wonder if Nate Solder is hurt. Uh the, the, there, there were some reports in training camp that he was a little dinged up. Uh, he's too good of a player to be playing at the level that he is right now, and he's he's really come out of the gate struggling. He has faced some tough guys. Let's be let's be clear about that. I mean, he faced the Kansas City defensive line, Derek Johnson uh, and Allen Bailey. Uh, not the only ones, obviously, on that line that can rush the passer. D. Ford was in there as well. They've, they've got a million good defensive linemen and linebackers who can rush the passer in Kansas City. He had to deal with Cameron Jordan in New Orleans uh, in the second game of the year. Had a, played a little better, had some struggles. Yes, and had some had a, had a few struggles against Jordan. Uh, yesterday, he dealt with one of the best defensive lines in football. Whitney Merciless, J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney had a big game. Uh, but Solder is struggling again. I, I wonder if he is hurt, and that's part of the reason. Uh, for his struggles, because he's too good of a player to be this to be this this poor, especially in a contract year. Uh, uh, but so that's something to keep an eye on going forward. But that makes the day that Brady had even more special and and even more crazy when you think about how often he was hit and how how, how much of a rush he was constantly under. Uh, but he gets it done in the last seconds. Another chapter to the Brady lore. Uh, difficult to, to, to see how this man, again, is not the greatest quarterback of all time. We're not going to have this discussion today. It's a, it's, it's, it's an opinion I hold uh, and we'll, we'll fight to the death with, quite frankly, anybody who wants to disagree with me, but uh, difficult, again, to see how this guy's not the greatest, but another fourth quarter drive to TB12 uh, into, to the TB12 aura and, and, and era, but uh, Patriots go to 2-1, and one. That's the good. Uh, they're tied for the lead in the, in the division with the, the Buffalo Bills, who are a surprising 2-1, and one, and won a game that a lot of people thought they were going to lose yesterday against Denver at home, 26-16. The rest of the AFC East is 1-2 and two after the, the Jets come from nowhere 
and shocked the Miami Dolphins by a final of 20 to six, and, and they were actually ahead in that game 20 to nothing. Just dominant yesterday. Pretty good performance for the Jets at home against the, the Dolphins, and a game that you thought the Dolphins would play pretty well in. It was a hot day, sweltering in New York City. Uh, the Dolphins used to that kind of weather, but uh, they, they, they really laid an egg yesterday. So Patriots and the Bills atop the division, two and one. Uh, Jets and Dolphins, one and two. Uh, no divisional game for the Patriots yet. And uh, next weekend they play against Carolina. So uh, no divisional games coming for a little while against the Pats. But two and one, two and one overall, no record in the division atop the AFC East again. So for all the love you give to the offense, now you got to look at the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, let's start by giving the Texans a little bit of credit. Uh, this is the second game in a row where Houston has come into Foxborough and basically has been totally written off by the national media, by Vegas, by anybody talking about it. I mean, if you'll remember last year in, in the divisional series, Everybody was looking ahead. I mean, everybody was just penciling the Patriots into the sec into the AFC Championship. They eventually got there, and they eventually got there by more than the, than the spread of I think 16. They won the game by 18 points. But if you remember that the Texans came out flying in that game, uh, gave the offensive line a ton of problems. Actually, led the game in the first half for a little bit. Uh, it was a close game throughout most of three quarters. They came in and put up forth a valiant effort. They did the same thing yesterday, just ignored the critics and ignored the naysayers. So give the Texans a little bit of credit for this. And I think especially give credit to their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who had really not shown all that much as a pocket passer in the first, well, we'll call it the first game and a half. He came in at halftime of the first game against Jacksonville. Uh, he played a full game against Cincinnati last week. He hadn't shown a lot. Uh, he, he had some, some happy feet. He did a lot with his legs, and he's certainly a mobile quarterback. Certainly can get things done. But give Deshaun Watson some credit. I mean, he hung in there, made some tough throws, made some good throws, made his receivers look really, really good from the pocket. Uh, you knew he was a really good athlete. I mean, he, he won a national championship at Clemson, and you knew he could do it. He was a winner, and he was a leader as a quarterback because of that. I didn't know how good of a passer he already was until I saw the highlights from yesterday, and, and I should break that news. I did not actually watch the game yesterday, so take anything I say about it with a little bit of a grain of salt. I was actually, forgive me, I was actually at the Philadelphia Eagles game yesterday. Uh, if, if for those who are just starting to listen to this podcast, I live in Philadelphia. I live in the greater Philadelphia area, have for quite some time. Uh, but I grew up in Massachusetts, and I'm a big Boston sports fan, so I do this podcast every morning from the greater Philadelphia area on my ride to work. But So I was actually at the Eagles game yesterday, which was pretty exciting in and of itself. Uh, Eagles won on a 61-yard field goal with, with time expiring. But uh, So I did not actually see the game yesterday. I did see the highlights of it, and I did see, see the statistics. And I, I realize it's difficult to, to, to dissect a performance based on highlights and stats, but... Suffice it to say this, the Patriots have problems on defense. They've got big problems on defense. And you can point to a lot of different things. You can say it starts with Hightower being out, and I'll give you that to some extent. Hightower did not play yesterday. Uh, he's still obviously bothered by the knee. Maybe he, he, he tried, to give it a, tried to give it a go in practice this week, and 
you know, maybe they just wanted to hold him out a little bit more and, and give him another week to rest it before next week's game. I don't know. Uh, Eric Rowe also wasn't active yesterday with the groin, but that really shouldn't have been a problem because Malcolm Butler was your starting cornerback last year and your number one cornerback uh, all year. So you really don't you don't feel like you should lose anything with Malcolm Butler in the game. Stephon Gilmore uh, was an enormous, and I'm just kind of going off the cuff with, with thoughts I have here on the defense. Stephon Gilmore got more guaranteed money as a free agent than any Patriot in history. He got a ton of guaranteed money. He got a very big contract, something to the tune of $60 million. And to say that he's been mediocre over the first three weeks would be putting it mildly. Uh, I mean, yesterday he had some issues with dehydration, uh, had to go to the locker room, got some IVs, got some water, eventually re-entered the game. But there's been some glaring problems with Stephon Gilmore out there. Glaring problems between him and the, him and the safeties, him and the other cornerbacks. You know, they, they talk every week about these communication issues that the secondary is having. Most of them involve Stephon Gilmore. And when you're making that kind of money, when you get that kind of a contract, you know, communication issues should be the least of your concerns. They really should. I mean, you, you expect Stephon Gilmore to come in, pick up the defense, understand how they work, understand how they react. And to, to put forth that kind of subpar performance is... is I, I could say inexcusable, but for now I'll just say disappointing. I'll just say it's disappointing for now. We got a long season. We got 13 games left, and, and maybe he turns it around. But the, the communication issues between him and, and Devin McCourty, who's also been a little subpar over the fir the first the first three weeks, are glaring. And you know, if the Patriots are ever going to right the ship, and they've got a long time to do it, don't get me wrong. Again, it's early. A lot can happen. Patriots defenses tend to get better as the season goes along, but you got to fix the secondary first because the secondary was supposed to be the strong point of this defense. It came back intact. It came back after a pretty good performance down the stretch with the possible exception of the Atlanta Super Bowl, but the secondary was pretty good and it added the best cornerback on the market. You thought the secondary was going to be a strength of this defense. So if you're gonna if 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 you're going to fix the defense, that's where you've got to start. The communication issues and the big plays have to go away. And the other thing is, it's it's not like they were facing world beaters yesterday. I mean, Deshaun Watson's a rookie quarterback. You know, the the Texans have DeAndre Hopkins, who's a very very good wide receiver. But outside of that, the wide receiving and tight end core for the for the the Texans is is average at best. Will Fuller didn't play the game, collarbone injury. C.J. Fedorowicz is on IR. So, you know, you had a rookie quarterback throwing to DeAndre Hopkins and several guys who were not number one or number two on the depth chart yesterday. And they did a pretty good job on Lamar Miller, all things considered. I, I told you Lamar Miller was the best offensive playmaker that Houston had. The defense did a pretty good job on Lamar Miller. He didn't run wild. He didn't catch many passes. They did a pretty nice job on him. But the problem is, the rest of the offense just shredded the defense. And, yeah, you know, you, you can't really say too much more than that. I mean, then that the Patriots' defense has to get better. Like I said, I think it starts in the secondary. You can blame the lack of a pass rush if you want, but you didn't think, especially when they cut Coney Ely and when Ninkovich retired, 
no one thought that that was going to be the strength of the Patriots' defense anyway. And I think part of the part of the thinking with cutting Coney Ealy and you know not making a, a better effort to fortify the position beyond Trey Flowers in the offseason after Ninkovich retired was the the coordinators and the defensive the defensive staff thought that the secondary was going to be able to cover well. And if it covered well, it would mask an under, you know, in a below average or a, a, a raw pass rush uh, that you know wasn't being gonna, wasn't really going to be counted on for, for for a ton of quarterback pressures because the secondary was going to be fine and lock it down. That hasn't happened. And when you combine subpar secondary play with a lack of depth and a lack of a pass rush along the along the defensive line, you got a recipe for problems. So. Like I said, I mean, you, you can point to the pass rush all you want, but that wasn't what is that wasn't what was expected to drive this defense. The secondary was expected to drive the defense, and the fact that it is not is what is causing problems. The secondary's got to get better. It's got to get better, and I, I wish I knew more about how to fix it. You got to fix communication issues back there. You got to fix handoffs and 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 coverages and, and letting people get into zones and, and, and all that stuff. I mean, maybe they start playing a little bit more man with Butler and Gilmore. I don't know, but that's where you've got to fix this defense. It's got to start in the back. And if it's if it gets better in the back, then I think it'll work its way up front and, 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 and they'll have a little bit more success. But they got to do something back there. It doesn't get any easier next week. I mean, Cam Newton's offense has struggled. They, they've struggled, and they, they really struggled yesterday. Lost at home by 21 to the Saints, a team that, that, that the Patriots just annihilated on offense last week. But, you know, again, a mobile passer, a guy who's gotten it done before, if they struggled with Deshaun Watson, I mean, Cam Newton is a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson and does basically exactly what he does, just better. So it doesn't get any simpler if, if, if you think they struggled with with. With Watson, what are they going to do against Newton? At least they have a blueprint for for for, for what to work on uh, as next week unfolds. And the other thing, very quickly, is don't don't give me the heat excuse. Don't give me that. It was very hot yesterday throughout the Northeast. I can tell you, I sat in the stadium in the sun in Philadelphia, in 90 degree heat in the sun for three and a half hours and baked. It was hot, really hot. It must have been hotter on the field. But the coaches had weeks to prepare for that, or a week to prepare for that. You know, the, the temperature forecast is generally pretty good and, and generally very specialized as the day gets closer. The coaches had plenty of time, and the Patriots have plenty of guys who can get their players ready to play in the heat. I, I don't, both And both teams had to do it. And the Texans, by the way, play in a dome, so heat's never a problem for them. So I, I don't want to hear about the heat being an excuse. Uh, the Patriots just did not play well on defense. They might not have been, been been drinking enough water, might have been a little tired. Not an excuse to me. Yes, are they going to stiffen when the weather gets colder? They probably will. They tend to. But don't give me the heat as an excuse yesterday. It's just it's, it's not going to fly. So take a step back. You know, you, you can dissect the game all you want, and you can find fault with a lot of guys on defense, and I have. They did win the game. And at the end of the day, your record is what your record is. And they're 2-1. and one. They've rebounded from the opening opening loss against the Chiefs. They, they avoided going 0-2 at home for the first time in I can't remember how long. 
Uh, I, you know, honest, I honestly don't remember the last time the Patriots lost their first two home games, and that almost happened yesterday, but it did not. Thanks to the, a little bit more Tom Brady magic, another good last gasp, last gasp drive by the offense. They don't lose. They go to 2-1, and one, and they're still in the driver's seat for the division. The division still runs through Foxborough. Uh, they get Carolina at home again next week, so an interesting kind of way to start the season for the Patriots. Three home games in four day, in four weeks. Um, the Panthers have really, really struggled, like I just said. Really, really struggled on offense. They were lucky to win the one game that they did uh, at home. I think that was against Tampa Bay, but I'll go back and check that. Uh, they were horrifyingly bad yesterday at home in a loss to the Saints. The Saints hung 34 on their defense, which was supposed to be the strong point of the team and had played well in the first two weeks. But Drew Brees came out and hung 34 on the Panthers' defense in Carolina. So you can't even say it was a fast track or anything like that. The, the Panthers' defense was horrible, uh, almost as bad as the Panthers' offense was. And you can certainly say that the Panthers have been bitten by the injury bug. Greg Olson broke his foot. He's out indefinitely. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, who is uh, Cam Newton's number one wide receiver, left the game yesterday. It's too early to tell if he's going to play next Sunday. Uh, we can watch that a little bit. So certainly you can say the offense was a little, little hobbled. Newton is under a ton of pressure again. The offensive line didn't protect him last year, hasn't protected him this year. There's going to be some opportunities for Patriots pass, rush, pass rushers to get their mojo going in that game uh, because they, you know, the Panthers' offense is all kinds of out of sorts, all kinds of out of sorts. Uh, so the Patriots will be a big favorite again next weekend. You, know, you can say pretty much all of what I just said uh, about the Panther about the Texans' offense, though. I mean, the Texans' offense was completely out of sorts too. They were playing with a rookie quarterback, so there's a different dynamic there. But the Patriots' defense came in, and, and you know, Texans' offense looks for, looks fantastic for the first time all year. So, you know, who knows what'll happen on Sunday? Uh, you know, we'll we'll learn a little bit more this week. Watch for some breakdowns. Ben Volan does a good one for the Boston Globe. Greg Bedard, Greg Bedard does a great one for BostonSportsJournal.com. Uh, watch the breakdowns and see what happened on the key plays, especially on the defensive side, uh, and how that might affect. Uh, the game against uh, uh, Carolina on Sunday. So for now, two and one. Uh, you could say good win. I'll say good win because any win in the NFL is a good win. I'd much rather win the game than lose it. They certainly have some kinks to work out. That would be putting it lightly. They got lucky to win yesterday, but they did win the game. 36 to 33, final score, Patriots over Texans, Carolina next Sunday. Now, Let's switch gears and go to baseball because the Red Sox just completed a three-game sweep of the Cincinnati Reds and did it. If you didn't see it, and chances are, chances are you didn't yesterday because you were watching the page. If you were watching the Patriots game, I, I won't, I won't kill you for that. But if you didn't see how they finished the sweep off yesterday, you missed the Mookie Betts show and you missed something pretty exciting. Red Sox were down four to one in the. I think that was in the top of the seventh. They loaded the bases with two outs. Mookie Betts gets up and whacks a game-tying double uh, over the outstretched arm of the Reds' left fielder. Uh, so he ties the game at four. The very next batter 
gets up. I think it was Mitch Moreland, but don't get you know. I I I didn't see it either, so don't 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 quote me on it. Very next batter gets up, hits a tapper to the left side of the infield to the shortstop. Shortstop had to charge the play. Mookie was running all the way, saw that it was going to be in front of him, so took off for third. Shortstop charged the ball, threw it on to first. The throw was a little wide of first base, which caused Joey Votto to come off the bag into a dive. As soon as Mookie saw that, he took off for home. Votto got up, tried to throw him out. The throw was too late. So Mookie scored the run from second base on a ground ball to shortstop, put the Red Sox ahead 5-4. to four. Addison Reed and Craig Kimbrell took care of it from there. 5-4 to four victory yesterday. Completed a three-game sweep for the Boston Red Sox over the Cincinnati Reds. And looky, looky now, the Red Sox lost, the Yankees lost 2-3 of three to the Blue Jays. Magic number is now three. The lead in the division is now five. I, if you heard a little bit of background noise there, I apologize. That was some malfunctioning with the phone, but we're back on now. So very simply, what does that mean? Magic number of three. Three more Red Sox wins, the division is theirs. Three more Yankees losses, the division is theirs. Any combination of those two numbers equaling three Red Sox wins and Yankees losses means the Red Sox win the American League East for the second consecutive year. And it is hard to believe this. I, I heard this on MLB Network today. It's it's really hard for it's hard for me to believe this. But if the Red Sox do clinch their division, this will be the first time in franchise history that the Red Sox have won back-to-back divisional titles. It's it's hard for me to believe that, quite frankly. And of course, it was it, before they expanded uh, to, to to two divisions in each league, and then four, and then three divisions in each league. Uh, it was much harder to do that to to win, you know, to win the American League outright, win the pennant outright, two times in a row. But it, it's it's hard for me to believe that they've never won two divisional crowns in a in a row before, uh, and they're on the brink of doing just that right now. Uh, especially like even in the, the you know, but when, when you think about it, they didn't do it in the Theo years. Uh, they 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 won a they won a bunch of wild cards in the Theo years. And just before that, when the Yankees were, were the dominant force atop the division. Even in 2007, they won the World Series. The next year, they were the wild card. The Rays beat them out for the division. 2013, they won the division, but that was pretty much an isolated year because the year before that was the Bobby Valentine season. The year after that, they were rebuilding because they traded away a bunch of... They, they, they didn't get off to a good start, traded away a bunch of pieces at the deadline. Uh, so... Again, you go back to the 90s. They won a division in 95. Uh, the, the year before that was a strike. The year after that, they weren't that good. Uh, again, late 90s was the Yankees' just dominance uh, in, in in the AL East. And uh, again, you, you want to go back to the back before that. The late that the late 80s, early 90s, they did get to the playoffs a couple of times. You know, once. I don't know if they won back-to-back crowns in that time, but. Again, it was it was tough for me to believe that, but that's what that's what Major League Base, you know, MLB Network said this morning. So take that for what you will. In any event, they're right on the precipice. They're in the driver's seat and can certainly smell it. Five game lead, three magic number of three after a three game sweep of the Reds. And how about this for a final road trip of the season? Eight and one, eight and one final road trip of the season. 
and the only loss came by one run to the Tampa Bay Rays last Sunday. They've swept their last six games. They swept Baltimore and Baltimore. They sweep Cincinnati in Cincinnati, uh, and what a road trip for the Sox. Now, there's there's some things we've got to talk about as we enter the last week of, of regular season play. And again, the rest of the Red Sox games are at home. They begin tonight with three against Tampa Bay. And you've got the pitching this week that you really wanted. Drew Pomeranz starts tonight. Chris Sale tomorrow. A Red Sox win and a Yankees loss tonight reduces the magic number to one. And it would give Chris Sale a chance to clinch the division for them on Tuesday in Fenway. Uh, three against Toronto tonight, followed by four against Houston. Uh, in what very easily could be a, pre a playoff preview. Not set in stone yet, but very easily and looks likely to be a playoff preview at this point uh, on, uh, to, to, to close out the week. But a lot of things we need to talk about here. One is that the offense finally seems to have its groove back. After a week, the beginning of the week, the bats really struggled against in, in, in a couple extra inning games uh, against Baltimore. They pulled him out. But by the end of the week, you know, Cincinnati's ballpark helps that a little bit. Uh, but they really did do some hitting for most of this week. Rafael Devers seems to have his swing back, and it couldn't come at a better time. He hit two home runs against the Reds. Uh, home runs tend to come in bunches, so let's hope it continues. Mookie Betts, I've already talked about, is really hitting the ball well. Uh, Christian Vasquez, who didn't play yesterday, uh, but played a, a good deal of the games this week. Christian Vasquez is really hitting the ball, and you weren't really counting on him for offense, but he's become one of your best hitters at this point. I'll tell you what, if Christian Vasquez can hit, this kid's going to be an all-star. He's going to be an all-star. He's that good defensively. His arm is that good. If he can hit, he's an all-star, and you've got your catcher of the future. Catcher of the future. So you got to be happy about that, but... Uh, in any event, the offense is, start, is starting to find its legs, and now they get seven games in Fenway Park where they've hit well all season. So, or, or in theory, they've hit well all season there. They don't hit home runs, not predominantly. I mean, Devers, like I said, Devers had a couple this weekend, which was nice to see. Uh, but they don't hit home runs. What they do do is make contact. They don't strike out, strike out a ton. There's guys in that lineup that will strike out, don't get me wrong, but they don't strike out a ton. They do make pretty good contact. Uh, they get on base. A lot of guys can take a walk. And so it's an offense that, at first glance, doesn't really scare you and hasn't really hasn't really scared a lot of teams this year because they don't have the big bats that some others do. And I'm sure in the offseason they're going to go try and find some offensive help. But if they're clicking, they can get on base. And once they get on base, almost everybody on that team can run with a couple exceptions. The catchers don't run, but no catchers run well. Moreland doesn't run well. Hanley doesn't really doesn't really run well uh, at this stage of his career. But the vast majority of this team can run. You know, Benintendi can run. Mookie can really run. Bradley can really run. Bogarts can run. Nunez can run whenever he gets healthy. Pedroia can still run, even though he's been, a long, been around a while. Uh, even Devers can run a little bit. I mean, he's an athlete. He can still run a little bit. So it, it's, it's an offense that can sneak up on you and, and do a lot of damage if you, keep, if you, let, them, if you let them get on base and, and let them work some magic. Uh, and they've come up with some big hits with runners in scoring position uh, with the bases loaded, obviously, yesterday for Mookie. So the offense looks to be in a pretty good place 
as we enter the last last week of the regular season and going into the playoffs. The other piece that looks to be in a great place is the bullpen. Three and a third more scoreless innings yesterday. The back end of that bullpen is locked down right now by Addison Reed and Craig Kimbrell. A, a virtually untouchable 8-9, 8th inning and ninth inning team over the past couple of weeks. Uh, and if you throw Carson Smith and David Price in there, David Price had a great relief outing on Friday in, in place of Rick Porcello. He got a win in relief of Porcello. Uh, you, you throw him in there, you throw Smith. I mean, I, I've talked about this ad nauseum over the past week, but the bullpen is in a great spot right now. Great spot. And you need a good bullpen if you're going to win in the playoffs. Uh, that, that I mean, you, you, you've seen that in recent years. The bullpen's got to be really good because they're going to throw a bunch of innings. they got to be fresh. You, you know, you would hope that the Red Sox clinch this thing pretty soon so that those guys can get a little bit of rest and uh, get going as the playoffs, you know, kind of ramp up here. But... Uh, so the, the the lineup and the bullpen are the two strengths of this team right now. Now that leaves the starting pitching, uh, and you wouldn't say, and you haven't said all season that you're worried about the front of the rotation, and you're not. Chris Sale and Drew Pomeranz are are a pretty good one-two at the front of the rotation. Uh, there's there's no real need to worry about them, at least until we get to the playoff time. They're, they're a pretty good one-two. They may not be the best one-two in the league, but they're a pretty good one-two. What happens after that is very much a mystery at this point. Uh, I think Eduardo Rodriguez, who pitched very well again on Saturday, got a win in a shutout. In a shutout. He, didn't, he didn't go the entire distance, but the Red Sox shut out the Reds on Saturday. Uh, I think Eduardo Rodriguez, barring a disaster this week, is your third starter. I, I don't know how you feel about that. You know, you, you, he's 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 not going to be the best third starter uh, in the playoffs. That's for certain. But I think he, you have to go with him right now. He's very clearly your third best starting pitcher. Who goes after that is quite frankly a mystery. Um, neither Rick Porcello nor Doug Fister have been effective enough for me to say. I'm going to give the ball to you in a potential crucial fourth game of the playoffs. I think what will end up happening is you'll go to one of them, and then you'll say to David Price, get ready, kid, because these guys aren't going to make it. Um, I mean, I don't think – you can't you can't have Price start a game. He's not stretched out enough for that. But you can certainly say to him, get ready because I'm going to need you, and I'm going to need you for multiple innings. I think that's what Farrell's probably going to do, and I know – you know, Price has been less than effective in the playoffs, but he's pitched pretty well out of the bullpen in a couple chances. So I think that's where the Red Sox are heading right now. You know, we'll see what the last week of the season bears out because it's a big playoff preview for Rick Porcello and Doug Fister. Uh, Porcello was, was not good again on Friday. Fister was okay yesterday, but again, he was scored on in the first inning. He did lock it down somewhat from there, but he threw a bunch of pitches, gave up a, a bunch of hits. Um... It's hard to say you're going to trust either one of those guys in, in the in the fourth game of what could be a you know and really it could be a crucial game uh, of the series. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out uh, over the rest of the season or, or you know over the, over the last week of the season. Like I said, Chris Sale is clearly your one. Drew Pomeranz is clearly your two. I think Eduardo Rodriguez is pretty comfortably your three, uh, regardless of how you feel about it. But. Uh, and, and it's it's between Porcello and, and Fister for the fourth spot. 
uh, and we'll see if, if if one of the two of them steps up over the course of the, the last uh, of the last week. They're only each going to get one more start, uh, or at least they're only scheduled to get one more start. Uh, Sale would be, or excuse me, Pomeranz would be on track to get two Monday Saturday against Houston. Sale would be on track to do Tuesday Sunday, but they're going to want to line these two guys up. Um, I would not be surprised at all if they pull a pitcher and have him make a spot start on Saturday or Sunday, especially if this division is clinched by then. Assuming they clinch the division early, I don't see any way that Sale starts the game on Sunday. Pomeranz could start it on Saturday, depending on when the schedule or, or when they're scheduled to go. Um, I think, <clears throat> and again, I have not seen this, but I think the ALDS, the Divisional Series, is slated to start next Wednesday, which would put Game 2 on Thursday, and that would put Pomeranz in line to make his make a start in Game 2 on regular rest. So you could start Pomeranz on Saturday. Again, assuming the division is locked down, there is no way Sale starts the game on Sunday. You'll give him, uh, you'll give him a day... Uh, maybe he'll pitch like an inning or something like that, but there's no way he'll pitch that full game because you need him for game one and you're going to line up your starters, just like Houston is going to do. And, and Houston, by the way, has clinched their division. Uh, they're still chasing Cleveland a little bit for the top spot in the AL. They're probably going to come up short of that. I would expect that Houston is going to line up its starters and not play this series all the way out uh, in Fenway on Friday, on Sunday, you know, this weekend. Um, so. You know, we'll see what happens, but I, I think that's probably how it's going to work out. For now, three-game series with the Blue Jays starts tonight. Pomeranz tonight against Marco Estrada. If the Yankees get beat by the Royals tonight and the Red Sox win, the Red Sox magic number is one, and Chris Sale will try to pitch the give him the division crown on Tuesday night. <clears throat> Excuse me. That is our so that is our show for today. Again, we had a lot to talk about today. Uh, we left the Bruins and the Celtics out. There was a little bit of Bruins news. They made some cuts. Uh, over last season, over the last week. Uh, we'll try to get into those a little bit more as the week goes on. Uh, certainly tomorrow will give us a better chance to do that. Um, we will have way more Red Sox and Patriots analysis and reaction as the week goes on. The Red Sox obviously getting to the nitty-gritty of the pennant stage. Watch the game tonight. We will certainly talk about it tomorrow. Uh, thanks for being with us this morning. Enjoy a Patriots win. Enjoy a, a, great, a great road trip by the Red Sox. Have a great week wherever you are. Try to stay cool. It's going to be hot again today in the Northeast, but I think we're going to get into fall as the week goes on. For now, this has been the uh, Boss, Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. This is Mike Lyon. We will see you tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody.